This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, March 16, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The Reagan presidency did not shrink government, but it did limit its growth, at least somewhat. More ominously, the Reagan presidency may have also taught politicians that big deficits do not represent instant political suicide belief that is posing some risks for the United States today. John Samples, author of the new Cato book, The Struggle to Limit Government, comments. What was the division presented by the challenge that Reagan offered to Gerald Ford in 1976? What was the, what was the strongest division that Reagan presented? Well, I think it was in many ways an ideological division that had to do with reputation rather than facts. Ford was willing to veto spending bills. He was willing to draw the line. He was a fairly conservative individual, but he represented in that context the liberal wing of the Republican Party. He had been chosen by Richard Nixon to be his vice president, so he was a, he represented continuity with Nixon uh, and all that Nixon represented wage and price controls, for example, even though he himself perhaps uh, didn't do any of that or defend it. Uh, Reagan represented an alternative uh, that, in a sense, the same alternative Goldwater. It could be understood to be the same alternative that Goldwater represented. Now, it's important, though, I think, to recall that when Reagan was running, he had a remarkably straightforward, uh, and he told people what he was going to do as president, and he kept trying to do it uh, through 1988. One of the things he said was that uh, we will, our job is to cut back spending to the point that the economy grows faster than the federal government does. So at the end of the day, when we're finished, the federal government will be take a smaller portion of uh, national income than it's slated to do, than we think it will if we don't do something. And amazingly, you can say that that is actually what happened. They did fulfill that promise. But that is not a promise to roll back the state to 10 or 12 percent of GDP. Uh, But rhetoric aside, I guess one could say, uh, that's not the specific claim that was made in the uh, economic documents that Reagan ran on. Right. Reagan ran on limiting the growth of government, not reducing government. Which I think is an interesting point because it means that these seasoned politicians, remember by the time Reagan comes to the presidency, he has been a national political figure for 16 years. He has uh, drawn to him people like Bill Niskanen, uh, Cato's chairman emeritus, who had political experience. So they had a sense of what was desirable, which was they wanted to limit government, but what they could actually do and how it might actually work out. And so I think that um, idea represented uh, that plausibility criterion. It was something they thought we can actually do as opposed to sort of just making huge claims and then watching things uh, continue as they were. Why didn't we get more out of the Reagan presidency in terms of limiting government? It's a good question. I mean, for I think for most people who... Uh, understand American democracy and so on, and and want limited government. It's he, Reagan ran ran, a, ran and won a, a big victory. Uh, even Jimmy Carter himself, at the end of his term, basically was saying that the welfare state has run its course. Big government has run its course. Why didn't it get swept away? It's important to understand that American political institutions are built in such a way that stasis is the norm. That is things staying the same is the norm. 
I call this, the, and many people have, the tyranny of the status quo. The status quo under most circumstances is going to be, or some little variation around it, is going to be the norm. In fact, you know, President Obama himself is, I think, in some ways learning this lesson now, despite having large majorities in Congress, a large change in the health care system is, uh, uh, is difficult or uh, not likely. So large cutbacks also uh, in spend, on the spending side uh, are difficult. The system is, tends toward the status quo because when you start programs, uh, they acquire constituencies, the people who benefit from them. Those people have an intense concern and have reasons to mobilize themselves and defend the programs. The people that might benefit from um, getting rid of the programs tend to be the general public, uh, and they benefit so little that it's very hard to keep them excited, interested, and focused. So there is, that's one problem. The other thing, I think, it goes to the heart of the entitlement state, which is Franklin Roosevelt was a very intelligent politician, in, in the, and I'm not sure that's a compliment or not, but he certainly was. And his idea was that you create uh, programs, the big government agenda, in such a way that it would change people's outlook so that they would defend the programs down the line. And here, the crucial term here is entrenchment. The, the program would become entrenched such that uh, the tyranny of the status quo would take over. Then one final point here, I think this, many people wonder why President Obama persists with the health care uh, legislation, even though it's very unpopular, and will probably lead to electoral damage to his party. I think entrenchment is the key to understanding that. Like uh, Franklin Roosevelt, if he can get the program through, it will be entrenched and will persist and grow and will become accepted, he thinks, even if he has to, t if, uh, as it were, he has to lose the a couple of armies of uh, House members in the battles that follow. Jimmy Carter, in a lot of respects, represented tax and spend. We talked about 24% of GDP uh, being proposed to go to the federal government. Uh, Reagan, in a lot of ways, represented borrow and spend. That is, separated the, the ultimate payment of a lot of um, government services and programs and government growth, uh, financing that with debt rather than taxes, mm -hmm. that seems to create uh, as much durability uh, within government programs as perhaps even Franklin Roosevelt's mm -hmm. Social Security. That's, that seems to have the ability to create that entrenchment as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Reagan had an idea about how to get around the entrenchment and the whole problem of uh, the tyranny of the status quo, which was uh, that you, if you cut taxes, you can force Congress to cut programs. But he was assuming that, and remember people, this was a time of inflation, uh, and many people assumed that inflation was caused by uh, deficits. Uh, and that's not generally thought of now, but in, at that time. So for a bunch of reasons, Reagan thought that large Congress would never run significant deficits beyond maybe $50 billion a year, and that would be considered too high. 
So Reagan believed, I think, that you had Congress in a position where if you cut taxes, they'd have to choose between deficit spending, which was electoral suicide, or cutting programs, which they didn't want to do, but it was the best of two bad choices. So it would have worked if deficits had had that electoral incentives. But as it turned out, Congress was willing to experiment quite a a bit to see if disaster followed. And when it didn't follow, um, we had a new equilibrium, a new status quo, uh, in which President Reagan refused to give up the tax rates, and uh, Congress continued on its merry way. John Samples is director of the Cato Institute Center for Representative Government and author of the new Cato book, The Struggle to Limit Government. Get your copy at cato.org.